the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I'm going to take you back to seminary days as we begin. Spent six years in the seminary preparing for priesthood, and I had a professor, Father Conrad, and he was a scripture scholar, really bright, knew the languages, all the ancient languages, plus other languages, and he was very well studied and very well prayed. So one morning I handed in an exegetical paper at our nine o'clock class, and so that goes from nine to 10. I saw Father Conrad about 20 minutes later, and I said, Father Conrad, have you graded my paper yet? He goes, you just gave it to me like 20 minutes ago. I said, okay, remember, be merciful <laughs> as your heavenly father is merciful. He said something that reverberated in the stairwell that I can't repeat in church. It was hilarious. To be merciful as our heavenly father is merciful. You can raise your hand. What is a sure sign that somebody's a Christian? What's the surest sign? We come here to be Christian. We want to be fully Christian. We want to live that life of Christ. Behavior, yes. Joy, okay. So I would like to propose, and these things are all together, it's loving your enemies. If you can love your enemy, then you can do anything, and that's the heart of it. That's what Jesus said. Love your enemies. That's what he's commanding us to do. And do good to those who harm you. Pray for those who maltreat you. Turn the other cheek. Bless those who curse you. And don't expect an ounce of repayment. Because this is the life of Jesus. And so I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of phone calls still from Oregon. So I spent a lot of time in Oregon while I'm still here because I was up there for 20 years of pastoral ministry. Got a call a week ago, about a week ago today, and Paul was for this woman was asking me to pray for her niece. So her niece lives in Los Angeles and she's 16 years old. She was out bike riding a week ago and someone hit her at a high speed. And so she had a cracked jaw, a collarbone, arms, femur, pelvis, internal bleeding, torn aorta, major surgery she's been through, bleeding in the brain, swelling in the brain, and that's where she is today, 16 years old. The guy who hit her ran, didn't call 911 and was probably drinking. Love your enemy? Wow, what a call. And as we come here today, just to kind of go through this progression of when we come to the fullness of the word of God in Jesus, the word made flesh, but we begin with creation in our pagan mythology, and how did we come to be through this pagan mythology? It was through war and violence and sexual domination. That was that life without God. And then we know, of course, in the book of Genesis, we came to be through nonviolence. We came to be through the spirit of Christ and in goodness, his goodness for us and for all people wanting the best for us. So, and there's even Nietzsche and Freud talked about, you know, human beings, they might look good on the outside, but maybe they're not so good and cracked up what they're to, to be on the inside. They both talked about these same kind of things this anger and this lust that is down there that's brewing that can explode if it's just left unchecked or there isn't something 
helping to give a different power and a different direction to that. So that's where we can come today into the story of Saul and David. So Saul was kind of crazy and crazed. He was out for David's life. And we read about two accounts where David could have took him out. In Samuel 24, Samuel 26, he had the right and the ability to take out this enemy and this predator. And we see kind of a, a ray of light in David's response. He says, no, I will not do this. I will not harm the anointed of God. So we see that the power of God, his magnanimity, this Saul who, who was bringing 3,000 in his army to, to kill him and was after him, and David spared him. So we see this, him rising above pettiness and meanness and smallness and littleness to say his life will be spared. So that's the story of David and Saul that he didn't take out God's anointed. So we have this glow coming in, and then we have the blinding brilliance of our gospel today where Jesus amps it up to the infinite degree and says, love your enemies. So it's much more than refraining from killing somebody. Because a lot of times I think, don't we think in Christianity, well, I just got to refrain from doing this and not doing bad. But I feel like we're missing a lot of the boat. But what do we do? What is love? And what is love? Love is willing the highest good of the other and willing that that other would be in union with the Lord today and forever. So that call to love our enemies, to those who've betrayed us and forsaken us on many ways and many levels. So this is just so counterintuitive. It's dumbfounding. It's crazy. It doesn't make sense to our natural inclinations. But you know what else it is? It's commanded. It's commanded by Jesus to love your enemies to pray for those who do you harm, to want the best for them, to want them to be in relationship with the Lord. Who's your enemy? How many you got on the list? What are we doing with that? When I think about that, I think about, Lord, have mercy. I can't even begin. I can't even begin to love my enemy. So it's not just refraining from not talking bad about them or not looking at them because you're mad at them or not ignoring them or wishing bad on them. It's like, it's about the Eucharistic love of Christ saying, I want the best for this person and I'm gonna do whatever I can to have this person be in union with Christ and his love. So what about Anna Sophia, 16 years old? What if I was her father? What if I was her mother? What if you were her mother? What, what, what would you do? What would you want to do? And Jesus is saying in his craziness that you're supposed to love this enemy who hit and ran on your daughter, left her for dead, and she might not make it through. This is what we're talking about, and this is what we're talking about. This is the heart of the gospel. So where do we turn? We can turn to the teaching of St. Paul today. The first person, he says, the first Adam is earthly and physical, and the second Adam is heavenly and spiritual. And so the word made flesh, the word of God comes into our physical to help us to live the spiritual life of loving our enemies, to have that kind of love for our enemies. How is that possible? How can it be? How can we get there? because we're here. That's how it can happen. In Eucharistic love, 
the Eucharistic love of the crucified Lord coming to us and feeding us in the context of community and us being covenanted to God and to each other in that love. It is only possible through the power of the cross in community, us reminding and praying, praying for Anna Sophia's parents right now that they can love their enemy while they might be losing their daughter, their beloved, bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh. And this is Christianity. Christianity is the business of loving and forgiving our enemies. We cannot be with God until we do that. We cannot be in his presence this day and forever until we do that. So the new Adam comes to fill us with his spirit and his love. And in that spirit and love, we are made new, we are constituted in that, and we are empowered to live that kind of love. And so we come before the Eucharist today begging for mercy, that we can love and forgive our enemies. And Jesus says, this can happen because of who I am. Jesus, who (laughs) hangs on the cross and says to the people murdering him, forgive them. And we can live that same life. And if we live that same life, what does Jesus promise us? We will be called children of the Most High. Living the everlasting life of Jesus that we celebrate. Children of the Most High. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse. May we love our enemies.